0: Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we're live. Hey guys, this is Ruben Dua from the Dub Podcast Connection Loop, and I am with me, I have with me, rather, Rena Friedman watts and we are in my new studio so i'm still getting things worked out over here um rena it's so great to have you we've been on before we've got a lot of things to talk about we're going to talk about events networking podcasting uh please start with a short bio and let's get into this
1: I am excited to be here and broadcasting live from my new setup as well, because nice. I just moved from Chicago to Texas a couple of months ago. And so, yeah, we're both doing the makeshift thing.
0: Nice. <laughs> nice. I was frustrated because I had this desk that was not being used in my office and then this sort of bar bar height um, table. And I was like, you know what? I need to minify. I need to get some feng shui in here. So I just brought it all into the center large six foot table. So I'm, I'm in a good place now.
1: Oh my gosh. Speaking of feng shui and moving, when you hire movers or when a company moves you, they will unpack you, but they literally will unpack you and just dump everything on the floor. Mm. And it's amazing yeah. what picking up one box full of things does for feng shui or two box fulls of things dumped on the floor does for feng shui. I'm like, oh, I can walk gracefully through this room now and it just opens everything up (laughs) right and so i also have been minimizing I've, i've been getting rid of things i've been simplifying i was like you know all i need is to be in a closet and have a nice plain backdrop have a mic have a good pair of earphones and i think a lot of early podcasters too don't realize like how simple you can keep it and you can keep expanding out from simple like, don't overwhelm yourself with YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter spaces, yeah. TikTok, Instagram. Like, what are you good at? Where are your people at? How can you do it simply? And how can you grow from there?
0: Yeah. I mean, these are, these are important things. I mean, this, these, I think a lot of these things are rooted in, in just general sort of mindfulness. Um, a couple of things that I always think about is number one is if you're going to acquire something new, how about get rid of something that you're not using? keep the space, you know, because if you start accumulating stuff, which you're also accumulating as debt, you're accumulating space debt. And you might get to a point where you have a garage filled with stuff. You have an attic filled with stuff, an office filled with stuff with most of the time you're not using it, you know? So there's this idea of, of just like this replenishing and this recycling and this kind of cyclical thing. And I think the second thing is what you said, which is just staying minimalist, you know, there's actually a big movement on um wired air uh, uh apple sort of white headphones like it's it's becoming repopularized. popularized exactly <laughs> and i think people are just you know frustrated with all the tech we went so deep in in the pandemic with tech we bought tons of stuff and now we just have our phone you know we're back to our phone and our, our wired headphones so here we are <laughs>
1: back to the basics they're trusty and they work I, you right. know it's interesting so I, I have a podcast with my dad better call daddy and I keep it super simple with him. Yes, Riverside, to be honest, is more professional sounding, but everybody knows how to use Zoom. And it's yeah. easy for my dad, and he can throw on these trusty Apple earbuds, <laughs> and he right. can travel, and he can do a reaction on the road, and it sounds decent enough if you clean up the audio. And so I do what works for people.
0: There you go. Yeah, I, on the other hand, am mostly a maximalist. So that's why I'm like covered, I'm like surrounded. by if if these cameras and these lights were the FBI, this would be like a serious like bomb squad anyways. All right, so um, let's get into some topics here. So the the key word here is, and I'm gonna try to pronounce this correctly, is mompreneur, not mompreneur, it's mompreneur. So take us through this, what does that mean? Kind of obvious, but explain us the lifestyle. Of a mompreneur.
1: Yeah, mompreneur. And I've even heard momtrapreneur, like T R E, added to that. A mompreneur is someone who is working. And for me, that means juggling four kids, 14 and under. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you know, four kids, 14 and under, that just started a new school, all of Mm them. Mm -hmm. And so during the pandemic, I really had to switch my schedule around and I'm constantly doing that, right? Like there's back to school shopping, there's convincing my kids now that they have to wear new uniforms and new colors. And now we're like not even a week back to school and there's birthday parties, there's PTO, there's uh, there's homework, there's soothing your kids' emotions and just seeing them and hearing them and having their back and that really comes first. And then when they're at school, which is, oh my God, my first few days of them going back to school was just, I should be super productive. And I just truthfully wanna like go for a walk outside or run on the treadmill or like start getting strategic about the clients I now wanna take or who I no longer wanna work with. Yeah. But I've slowed down. I, I truly have. Like, I've held on to some of my clients from Chicago, and I'm just happy maintaining those for now, doing a couple one off projects here and there. Like, today, I'm doing a panel with four other podcasting women, women in podcasting. Uh, we're doing a Twitter spaces, which is so exciting and cool. Uh, I actually saw it was, I'm going to give a shout out to, let me say his name properly, Hector. Sebastian I hope I'm saying that correctly but he posted on Twitter and LinkedIn that 30% of podcasts that are currently out are women women hosts and he was like hey we should really spotlight The women and try to introduce them to each other and talk about what diversity and inclusion looks like talk about strategy talk about what they've learned talk about some of the mishaps and today we're going to get super vulnerable super human and we're going to do that and it's actually the first time i've hosted a twitter space but i have been a listener and i have done uh, linkedin audio so i'm getting a little bit past the basics here and i'm expanding into twitter spaces
0: nice all right so we should we should go and, and google or or twitter search Um, Hector's name, what was his last name again?
1: Sebastian.
0: Hector Sebastian. All right. So let's go find him. I'm probably
1: saying that wrong, but you know what you
0: should do? Send me a link. I'll send you a link to the the Twitter. Yeah, do that. Exactly. Cool. Sounds good. Um, all right. So I have, I have a couple of, of questions here. How do we create time that we didn't have before? You know, uh, is it waking up earlier? Is it going to bed a little bit later? Is it taking little blocks th- throughout the day? You know, I have two kids, so I'm I'm constantly trying to kind of make some stuff work. Um, what I recently started doing was waking up just a little bit before six, so late late five a.m. ish, which is you know early, but it feels good. And then getting my one hour in of doing the things that I need to do, catching up on emails. Um, you know, doing some exercise, doing my sort of rich morning rituals, um, getting ready if I need to. And then right at seven, you know, my, my kid and I, we do, sort of do an exercise, we do a stretch, we do a workout, and then he gets in his flow. So it's this, this like, you know, cycle starts. What's, what's, uh, how are you creating time out of nothing?
1: That is so LA, by the way, <laughs> that nice. you guys do that nice. and also very cool.
0: Nice. What part of that is LA?
1: Uh, that you guys do like movement together or like, working yeah. out together and have a morning routine together that's really cool
0: it's a it's a fun thing um you know we do a co- just to get really la on you um what we do is a combination of uh some martial arts some tai chi we have these um these staffs that we use these sort of martial arts staffs a um, little bit of yoga in there um this like special kind of conditioning so it's like very posture very core driven so it's it's a it's a really good productive it's about 12 minutes Fifteen max, um, but it's it's I I do it every day and it's 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 changed my life so.
1: Wow, I absolutely love that. You know, when my husband actually got a job and started seven weeks before me and the four kids moved out, and during that time, oh my gosh, I not only was it just like survival, um, but I started meditating with my three-year-old because at night, you know, he was used to like falling asleep with me and then his dad transferring him to the crib. And since his dad can no longer do that and I let him stay in my bed, um, I just typed in like meditation music on YouTube. And I found this one that had like fish and turtles and seahorses. And at first he wants to check out like the blue screen and the cool animals. But then he's like, put the phone down and we just lay next to each other. And then I also found sound bath noises and the three-year-old and I like we did that for about two months and now he requests it he loves it so it's funny that you do it in the morning but I do it at night to calm down I do it at night like at nine or ten (laughs) o'clock um I'm a night owl and yeah he he just we both just kind of calm down and lay with each other and meditate and listen to that one is called like brain tickle or something meditation music That's the Mm -hmm. sound bath one. And and he loves that. Yeah. So how do I find more time? I, I don't know if I find more time. I think that everything that I want to make happen that I really want to accomplish, I have to put on a calendar because my time is so limited. Yeah. So if I want to get good at something, if I want to accomplish anything, whether that's Taking my daughter to acting lessons, whether that's taking one of my sons to martial arts, whether that's birthday parties, whether that's family events, everything that I want to accomplish as a goal has to be calendared.
0: Nice. Yeah. It's, it's the only way to roll. I agree. Even personal stuff, you know, remember the good old days when we had like our personal calendar and then we had our work calendar and like we were good about one, but not about the other. <laughs> now it's like, okay, everything is going into that work calendar, getting this all scheduled up. So I don't drop the ball on anything.
1: But I have to say like, not only have I been decluttering cause we kind of downsized in the move, um, I feel like I've been also making space for new opportunities and new connections and kind of rethinking even some of the services that I offer. So, one of the services that I was offering during the pandemic was since I've interviewed, you know, 250 plus people, people kept asking me, Hey, can you get me guests for my podcast? Hey, I can you get me on podcast and that was something that I was doing for a little bit because it was really easy for me to do so I started offering that as a service but then when I started talking to other agencies that were doing it they were charging like so much more for so many few guaranteed placements and it's it's really a lot of work to do that and I think even some of the people that I was making the introductions for they needed some coaching like on mm. how to re- how to do the follow up how to be a good podcast guest, how to tell your story. It's not just, Hey, I want to be on a podcast, but like, how do I add value? How do I be a good guest? And a lot of people want to tell their story. A lot of people want to be seen and heard, but it's also about how are you adding value to the show that you want to be on? Mm -hmm. And it also shouldn't be transactional. It should be more about the relationship that you're trying to build Versus just promoting yourself.
0: This is, this is important stuff, you know, when it comes to self-promotion and when it comes to, uh, you know, representing yourself, your company, your brand, your ideas on podcasts, on Ted talks, you know, when people go in selfish, um, not great things happen. So I totally agree with that. You know, there's a fine balance here. So now are you, have you discontinued that service or.
1: I haven't discontinued it, but I'm definitely being more picky on who I'll do it for.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. That makes yeah.
1: sense. And, yeah, And, you know, truthfully, the work I enjoy doing more is the production stuff. So yeah. one of my clients right now is a healthcare podcast. And I'm like the back end of their podcast. So they have an in-house content writer. They send me the approved four or five questions. I then help them with the intro, outro, sit on the recording and supervise the edit and then send it back to them. I love that. Mm. I want to do more of that. And also corporate podcasts are so much different. They're not conversational like this. Like they have four or five questions that are topics trending in their niche and they prepare those answers. And yes, you know, they might throw in a personal example or they might throw in a statistic or something that they found in research, but it's a lot less chatty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've tried that format. I, I don't, as, I don't enjoy it as much. That's the thing. It's just not fun. If it's fun, it gets done. And it's, I, I mostly pass on the, on the, we're going to send you the questions in advance and then you're going to write those pre-rehearse those and then just deliver them on the podcast. Um, I've been on those and I've hosted those, uh, not my flavor, but I, I understand what you're saying. So respect. <laughs>
1: I like to mix it up to be honest. Yeah. And what's so beautiful about getting to produce another podcast alongside producing my own is that I'm constantly getting new ideas and I'm and I'm honing my craft alongside being able to help others hone theirs, which, oh, it just feels like that's what I want to do more of. Yeah. But imagine if you go all in, like if I were to just go all in on mine versus taking clients and helping them do theirs, like what would that do? Mm-hmm. So it's a balance.
0: Well, I mean, it's interesting because your clients become your listeners and they become referrals and they attract guests for you. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be as good.
1: You know what else is interesting? So I helped produce another healthcare podcast, which led to my second healthcare podcast. Mm -hmm. And some of the best guests on the one that I produced in person, I was managing a three camera shoot, the, the web team. The videographer. I was briefing the host. I was writing the scripts. Again, though, that this one was more prepared and less conversational. Um, Some of the best guests from that podcast I've ended up having on my show now, and have kept in touch with. And since I was doing so much of the behind the scenes of that, I was like, "Hey, yeah, let's keep in touch." And I have a show, and yeah, you might fit into that.
0: Mm. Yeah, you know, there's this idea that I have of of earning things. Like if. You know what? What I think people have a tendency to do is to sort of hide behind um, requirements, logistics. You know, tec- technical needs. I can't start a podcast until I get this camera. I can't. I need this mic. I need this setup. I need this room. I need these lights. And and I always say um, that's not what you need. That's what. That's the excuse that you're using to not go start a podcast with the production studio in your pocket. You know because my first 100 episodes were done on, on a phone. I didn't have any tech. I said, I'm not going to get my podcast mic until I, until I need a podcast mic. And then, and then, boom, I got one. And the same thing with everything else. And I think there's this really uh, beautiful thing about just jumping in and iterating and growing and improving as you go. Not, I'm going to get this all set up, which could take weeks, months, even years because people procrastinate and then never end up doing it. So um, you've seen probably a lot. You've seen the full production studio, and then I'm sure you see bare bare bones. What's your take on that?
1: Well, alongside what you were just saying, I had somebody reach out to me recently that wanted to launch a podcast. And I literally had a consulting call with her. I gave her everything that she needs to consider in starting one, like You know, here's the mic I use, here's some cheap versions, here's some more expensive versions, here's the hosting that and the different hostings that you can use if you want to get fancy, here's the mixers. I gave her a total breakdown of like everything to consider and what are the basics and here's the upgrades and here's the things I could help with. And then after I did that, she asked me if she could pay me to teach her how to edit which is something that I don't usually do. Usually people record and then they send me the file and they want me to edit for them. And, you know, I've been working alongside my editor now for two years. So now she fluently speaks Rena. I mean, not only do I use her on my podcast, but I use her with my corporate clients as well. And I said back to this client, like, hey, it would truthfully be cheaper for you to have us do it for you. And I probably like A lot less painful that's why i outsource editing because that's why i focus on my strengths which is the casting which is the marketing which is the writing if you want me to teach you in maybe four full hours and create like a one-on-one editing course for you and do this with my editor who i work very closely with like i'm gonna charge you what you know a course would cost
0: yeah you're paying for the information, not for the time.
1: Not just the information, but my expertise of 20 years and my two years of paying my dues and figuring out what works.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And people
1: you figure out so much just by doing it. I talked to this other podcaster who I was his first interview, he was on my show. He was an open book, which were the best guess. He was ready to tell his story. We had spoken beforehand. I was confident that he could do it. I loved how the story unfolded. And then from that one interview, he then wanted to start his own podcast, which nothing honestly makes me more happy. I love that. Yeah. Like exactly. if I can inspire somebody to want to do it and then they right. ask me how to start, I love that. So he just had me back. He's now into season two of his show. And he was like, I just want to thank you for like, really, you know, pushing me to do it and holding me to the fire. It was so beautiful. And he was like, you know, there are so many things that you will never know unless you just grind it out and do it. He Mm -hmm. was saying, I've had to learn how to set boundaries, how to say no, how to, you know, find better guests, how to be a better interviewer. All of that just happens from practice. Mm -hmm. You can never know what's going to happen unless you do it.
0: You know, my, my earliest experience um, podcasting is traveling in the back of a taxi um, in Europe, in New York, in, you know, whatever, whatever city, Asia, and just talking, talking to people, talking to strangers, you know, whether it's rideshare or whether it's talking to the driver, you know, maybe we speak a different language, maybe we have to find common ground, you know, maybe I'm lost, maybe I'm curious, maybe this person is a, is a circus performer when they're not driving a taxi. You know, and I remember leaning into that, that sort of discomfort. Now you, one of the things is that that's a captive audience. Okay, a taxi driver or someone that is in a rideshare with you, that's a captive audience. They didn't choose, they didn't start a conversation with you, you probably started with them, you know? Um, but just practicing talking to people and understanding how to understanding that talking is actually listening. Um, that takes a lot of time and, uh, oh, yeah. having, having a podcast was, was, I mean, that took me to the next level and I'm still a total student of this, you know, constantly, you know,
1: that's very humble of you. It's funny because when I was pregnant with my first kid, so this is like 14 years ago, <laughs> I had Right before that, I had worked as a post production supervisor on Nanny 911 for three seasons. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I worked in production. Like I produced The Jerry Springer Show. And uh, Nanny 911 was my first post production role, where when I actually got that, I didn't even know how to output a tape. I mean, it was so crazy. Um, and so when I got pregnant with my first kid, it was like, okay, I know the deliverables. I've now sat with the editors. I, I have seen them push the buttons. I want to learn how to push the buttons. So when I was pregnant with my first kid, I took a Final Cut Pro class. I loved it so much. I ended up taking a second class. And um, for one of my projects, <laughs> there you go. One mm-hmm. of my projects, I ended up walking around downtown San Francisco. My husband was like following with me with a mini DV camera. And I was going up to people like man on the street style, like you're saying, and, you know, in an Uber, going up to taxi cab drivers, going up to a a clown on the street, a Mormon, Mm. a Jew, just whoever Mm. I could come across. And I asked them, where do I find happiness? What was happiness to them? Yeah. And yeah, I cut together like a minute and a half reel of all the responses. And that was how I got started.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned, um, you mentioned Jerry Springer, which is so interesting um, what was that like? What was that like producing that show? That's so interesting. Well,
1: what's even more interesting and crazy is that since I started this podcast two years ago, it was really my goal to be able to have him as a guest. He was like the dream yeah. guest, and I ended up accomplishing that, which is so insane. What was it like? You know, I wanted to know not only was it what what I experienced, but what was it like for him on the other side, right? Like, how much did he really understand about what? our role was and how hard it was to book those guests. And what was interesting about interviewing him is that, I mean, obviously after being on the air, I think like 27 years, he really understood all of what we went through. He really got it. He spent enough time in the office seeing us pound the phone, seeing us backstage, seeing us pumping up these people before they went out there. He really (laughs) did, I feel like understand what it took to make that show happen. So that was really interesting and cool to find out.
0: So how much of it, how much of reality shows like that, how much of it of it are is uh is scripted? How much of it is like, hey, listen, we really think you should throw a punch, right?
1: Well, you can't obviously say that. So um the thing is, is that when I was there, I mean, they were still ripping each other's hair out. Um, there were fingernails on the stage. And, you know, you want the stories where it's really going on. I never tried to bring something that wasn't really happening because it's so much more work that way. Like you have a married couple and you know, a mistress has been banging on the door for the last two years. You don't have to push that wife very far. If she wants a piece of her, you're just like facilitating that. (laughs) 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 Yeah.
0: Right. Right. And that
1: was the bread and butter of the show. So those are the stories I primarily went after. I mean, there were, you know, God, I feel like you can't even say some of these things anymore, but there were transsexual stories. There were midget stories, little person stories. There were stripper stories. Yeah. That was not what I necessarily, like there were different producers that were good at those. I mainly went for the love triangles because like I said, they're, they're so easy to wind up.
0: Mm, Right. Right. Well, I think what's, I, I would like to think that one of the, one of the, fundamental changes of humanity is that we generally like to look at other people succeeding now more than we like to see people failing. And the reason why I say that is because I feel like in popular media, TV shows, movies, there's less of of the sort of polarizing borderline content. And there's more stuff where it's like, this person is succeeding, they're crushing it. And now it's like, are you gonna be are you gonna be a hater of their success, or are you gonna say, you know what, I'm inspired and that's entertaining or that's so interesting to watch? Um, this is my theory. I don't know what your take is on this.
1: I would like to believe you, but I'm gonna give you a little pushback because okay. you know we love seeing people struggle too. Like the people who are struggling and who have overcome stuff, those posts do amazing on Instagram. Like we don't love the people that are picture perfect.
0: Hmm. Well, but that's a happy ending. That's I'm I'm not saying just failing and then failing and then that's it. And I'm feeling better about myself because that person is getting their ass kicked on the Jerry Springer show. That's not <laughs> what I'm talking about. I love the before after uh, stories, and that arc is is totally what I'm talking about. So I, maybe we're saying the same thing, but maybe now we like to see the after more, as long as we are initially seeing the before because that is entertaining to watch. Let's admit it.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, and. You know, I've now inter- I've interviewed some of the other people that I've worked with in the entertainment industry. So I interviewed one of the nannies from Nanny 911 that I worked with. And that was so interesting, too, because that was her first Hollywood experience. Mm. It's funny. Her husband like submitted her for it. She was a real life nanny. Like a lot of the nannies who were picked were real life nannies to the stars or, you know, teaching other nannies how to be nannies or like nanny organizations. Um and just hearing her talk about her experience and not really understanding that things are edited and that, you you know, she spent all these time with the families and really helping the children, but that's not the part that's makes good TV, right? Like the part that makes good TV is when the husband walks out of the house frustrated or on a phone call or, you know, or a kid kicks a ball in between the nanny's legs, right? Like that's the part that's funny. Um, and so that was frustrating. That was a little frustrating for her because she wanted kind of her work to be shown and the difference that she was making in these families' lives to be shown. And it's funny too, my mom came to visit me in LA when I was living there and all she wanted to do was go on The Price is Right. And I was like, well, mom, I really don't want to wait outside from like three in the morning to be at like a 1 p.m. taping. How about I'll take you to Tyra Banks? I know one of the producers on that show. So we sit in the audience of that. And she doesn't realize like that a one hour show can take four hours to film depending on what the audience is like or how many times it takes the host to read the cue card or she didn't really understand like the production behind creating an hour Mm -hmm. of content. And that was frustrating for her. So I think that there's a lot that people don't understand about reality TV or talk shows.
0: It's true. I mean, just just even even for, you know, self-creators, YouTubers, you know, people that have a podcast, people that have a YouTube show, you know, people like me that are that are creating content. You know, I have a small production crew. I'm so grateful to have them. There's an editor, there's a producer, there's a graphic designer. But a lot of the times, you know, we have to be scrappy. You know, we have yes. to be What is the minimal amount of tech that we have? You know, how do we make a 15 minute YouTube show only 20 minutes of raw content? We've done, we used to do two hours of raw content and it would take us weeks to edit those videos. So a lot of this is what you said initially, it's like practice. You know, a lot of it is like, how do we not waste? How are we mindful? And how do we stay scrappy? How do we stay lean so that we don't have a lot of uh, you know, debt? Um, You know, Conan O'Brien, he's got a new format. You know, it's not, it's, it's so interesting. Like one day I saw one of his videos and it's like, poof, he's in a podcast studio with some, you know, sure seven B mics, you know, the things that the, the pro podcasters user and vocalists, you know, he's got multiple chairs. It's a super dynamic setup. It's kind of a Rogan setup and he's in it and he's doing it. And like literally overnight, he just changed his format to be more run and gun. So you've done a lot of that, you know, give us, give us some pointers on this.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Oh my gosh. I, you know, I've had to switch camera people. I've had to switch audio people, you know, even from my first 50 episodes until now, like I feel like I was cutting too tight in the beginning and I was re-recording sound bites, like over perfectionism, you know, I think people don't mind a pause. I think people don't mind a few ums. You don't have to edit so much, you know, you're going to get better and and people want to see the evolution. Right. You know, I, Mm. I even only started with audio. Then I was like, maybe I should add video. And then once I added video, I don't even think I started my YouTube channel until I was like a year in, you know, And, and again, you and I were talking about this, but You don't have to be on TikTok right away. You don't have to be on YouTube right away. You can simply start with what you're comfortable on. There's a girl that I absolutely love on Instagram. I watch her lives almost every day. IG Live with Angela, shout out to her. And, you know, she shows up with her makeup done. She shows up with her makeup not done. She's constantly collaborating with others, but also doing solo episodes. And I said to her today, I was like, look, you've been doing IG Live for like, Almost two, three years now, some people would like to replay that on Spotify. Yeah. Why don't you turn that into a podcast? It would not take that much effort to create a little intro outro with some music and repurpose.
0: And her response was?
1: That, you know, she needs me to hold her to the fire and and maybe talk to her about really how, how to do that.
0: Hmm. Nice. But she trusts
1: me and we have a relationship and I've been on her lives multiple times. So it did make her stop and think, yeah, you know what? Maybe that is the next step for me. Like maybe I'm just so comfortable on this one format. You know, when I saw that Hector post about doing a Twitter space, like I've never hosted one of those, but I've showed up to one of those. I've done clubhouse. I've done LinkedIn audio. These things are just tools. Yeah. That's what I think people don't really understand is like, you're only going to learn by doing it.
0: I mean the the deepest thing I can say about this is it it's all rooted in the word legacy, and a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of what I think about in terms of what I um, share and what I what I create is is what is the legacy that I'm creating and that I can ultimately pass on to my kids, you know, and, and others too, but you know, my kids definitely. And when I think about um, Instagram, when I think about TikTok, you know, even Facebook, it's like it's grass, you know, it grows and then it gets cut. You know, some of it's still there, but some of it's just gone. It sort of disappeared. But YouTube podcasts, you know, these things are forests. These are, these are here to stay. You know, these are going to be here indefinitely. Um, in 10 years, are people going to be on some search engine searching for Angela's videos on Instagram or TikTok? Maybe not. Right. But YouTube and a podcast on the other hand, all of a sudden that's this forest that's flourished and, and become so many other things. So, uh, you know, legacy.
1: (laughs) I absolutely 100% agree with that. And that definitely goes with the theme of my podcast. Nice. My my podcast is multi-generational. Like my kids do some of the questions. My kids do some of the transitions. Like my daughter's like, let's switch it over to grandpa. And then my dad weighs in with his two cents. Like you, I have really been thinking about legacy. Like I'm having conversations with my dad that, you know, in 10 years, he might not be able to answer in the same way. Mm-hmm. Right? So I feel like podcasting is capturing your progress, capturing your journey. And, yeah, you're leaving it for your kids so they know how you feel about different conversations. and so they can see the path that you've taken and the opinions that you have. And also getting perspectives from other people and the lives that they've lived makes your tapestry it makes your forest more com- more colorful.
0: Mm, very cool. Well, I can see you put a lot of production into your into your work. You've got all the channels. You've got proper captions, proper descriptions. You've got an entire website dedicated to it. Very, very cool. BetterCallDaddy.com. That's for your podcast. Encourage people to check that out. Um, you've got some great guests here. Look at this. Look at this list. Starting with Jerry Springer. Amazing. Well, kudos to you. Congratulations on that.
1: Thank you. Yeah. You know, I will say that that took me A year and a half of yes, no, maybe, yes, no, maybe I had listened to him on other people's podcasts. Some of my guests knew how bad I wanted him and they would send me, oh, hey, he was just on this podcast, maybe listen to this. You know, like people were rooting for me. I was putting it out there. I was really trying to manifest that. And, you know, I had kept in touch with his publicist for 20 years. And what was so interesting is a reality star reached out to me. I guess she liked the theme of my show. She was a mom of four. She's got some daddy drama. And she was launching a new podcast, Kill Lowry. She was on 16 and Pregnant. And I actually was a production coordinator on that in my hometown in Louisville. So she reached out to me, asked me if I wanted to do like a swap with her for 50,000 impressions on her show and 50,000 impressions on my show where we would promote each other's podcasts. And so I reached out to the publicist, Jerry's publicist, and was like, Hey, I have this reality TV show star that's willing to promote me. If if he's willing to do the interview, like this would be a great time where I can like actually get him some eyeballs. And then she liked that idea. And then I went back to Kale Lowry and I was like, Hey, if you're gonna promote me, I would like it to be around Jerry's episode. So it was like mutually beneficial mm. in how I secured that.
0: That's really creative. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, look at this um you've got um for inquiries you can email rena right here i also recommend that people check out rena on linkedin because you're very active there um there it is that beautiful gra- where did you get this designed
1: yes i had a another mompreneur friend of mine shari perry and she was laid off during the pandemic she was a designer at red bull And I wanted to support her. She said she'd always wanted to like make podcast art. And I was like, hey, could you draw me and my kids? And so, yeah. What also is super cool about Shari is um, my daughter wrote a book during the pandemic. We just self-published and she did the cover of my daughter's book. And then my daughter illustrated the inside and kind of like kid art. So that was super cool. Awesome. Yeah, I was supporting another mompreneur that wanted to get creative. And I like doing that.
0: So good. So good. Well, thank you so much for inspiring us, for educating us, for um, sharing some of the exciting things that you're doing. You are going to be on this Twitter Spaces um, tonight.
1: Yes, it's at 5 p.m. Central. My okay, cool. Twitter handle is just my name twice. So Rena Rena. Okay. Two E's.
0: Okay. Perfect. So that's where people can find you
1: Twitter.com Me- slash Rena Rena
0: there it is. Perfect. Cool. I'll include the link in the show notes. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yes. I would love
1: to see you there.
0: Yeah. Sounds good. Well, thanks so much, Reena. Appreciate you.
1: Thank you. This is amazing. I loved catching up.
0: Thanks.